Hey, I'm Nicole Laskowski. This is Schooled in AI. I introduced this podcast series a little while back, but, you know, some time has gone by. I thought a refresher may be useful. This is a series of interviews I'm doing with professors at Carnegie Mellon University. We're sitting down, we're talking about their AI research and how that research may eventually impact the enterprise. My hope is to give CIOs a kind of window into, you know, what's coming next and to get them talking about it now. Last time I sat down with Manuela Veloso, she's a professor in the School of Computer Science at CMU, and we talked about how this overwhelming interest in AI and this thirst for AI talent is having a real impact on the school itself. This time, I'm talking to Andrew Moore. I'm basically your desk jockey administrator. I'm responsible for the uh, School of Computer Science at Carnegie Mellon, which is absolutely the center of computer science on the planet right now. He's the dean of the School of Computer Science. So he started in this post back in 2014, and he comes to it with a pretty impressive background. So just before becoming dean, he was a Google vice president of engineering, where he helped grow Google AdWords and shopping systems. He's been a professor at CMU. Um, He was the co-founder of a data mining company. He did his postdoc at MIT, and he's, you know, an AI researcher. So his work has been used by the likes of Pfizer, Homeland Security, DARPA, Mars, Unilever. This is all according to his website. I did ask him to tell me about a major achievement in his career. And he pointed to software he helped develop that's used to detect things like near-Earth asteroids. And one of the reasons he pointed to this achievement is because the software is still in use today. So it always makes me feel really good to know that our software is running 24-7, watching the sky uh, to detect bad stuff. I wanted to talk to more about some of the AI basics, like how does the School of Computer Science define artificial intelligence? That may seem simplistic, I realize, but the term is used so broadly today that I think it's worth taking the time to make sure we all know what we're talking about when we talk about AI. So that's where our conversation started, with the definition. It then moved to this concept of an AI technology stack. The School of Computer Science has developed an AI technology stack that Moore said has helped the school wrap its brain around artificial intelligence. And after hearing him talk about it, I think it could do the same for CIOs and the enterprise. But first, to get started, here's more on how the school defines AI. So we've tried to make it pretty focused. You're building an artificial intelligence system. If you're building a system which does two things, it must understand the world and it must make the smart decisions based on what it's understanding. So it's understand plus smart decisions. The process of understanding that Moore is talking about has a couple of pieces to it. So first, an AI system, it collects data. So it, for example, uses computer vision to see what's happening, to see a scene. And then the data collected or the data that's coming off of that sensor network is run against something the system has learned in the past. And that experiential knowledge is used to make sense of what is happening right now. And then for it to be a useful AI system, it's not enough for it to just passively observe. It's got to either make decisions or help you, the human, make decisions. So self-driving cars is a good example of an AI system that fits this CMU definition. I thought this was kind of interesting. Moore said that half of the engineering work that goes into building autonomous vehicles is just getting the car to understand its environment. So that includes detecting static elements on the road, like lane markings. But it also means getting a grip on other elements like other cars on the road, pedestrians, other potential dangers. And these things require enough knowledge. We're talking 
millions of hours of previous experiences to be able to essentially predict behavior. And that's where the machine learning came in. So that's how it understands its state. And then, based on this understanding of what's possibly going to happen, it's got to make the decision as to what it's going to do. Speed up, slow down, put on the brakes, uh, change sensor modalities. The School of Computer Science has also created an AI technology stack. Just think of it as a kind of blueprint. So it helps to visualize and organize how all of the technologies that sit under the AI umbrella, how they all fit together. And Moore said that's extremely valuable to the school. He explains with a simple analogy. One way I always like to think about it is a large building with many floors. And on each floor, people are working on a problem and they're using results from the floors below them. And then they're passing up their work products to the floors above them to take advantage of to build further things. What it helps us do is as we are hiring new faculty or helping fit grad students into an area that they're excited about, uh, it really helps to have this notion of people at different levels helping each other so that if you happen to be doing research on great machine learning algorithms, you've immediately got people who can bring it into important end use cases and you've got people you're working with who can uh, give you the computational support and the data sharding uh, support and the latency support that you need in order to make your stuff work. And this AI technology stack, it could be an excellent resource for CIOs. They have to converse with AI vendors. They have to make sense of this AI vendor landscape. And they have to explain to their business colleagues and to their CEOs what this thing called artificial intelligence, what it, what it means. So what we're going to do next is we're going to dissect the AI technology stack. Okay, so here we go. So it's made up of seven layers. At the top is the AI application layer. And these applications range from internet question answering systems to robotics to safety control systems. This was kind of interesting. Moore said it's this layer that is the biggest contributor to AI confusion today. And that's because... AI applications tend to fall into a couple of categories, but we don't, we don't really talk about them in that way. The first bucket we would call autonomous systems. And this is where the decision-making part of the AI is really having to make decisions for itself. Uh, why would it do that? It, you do it if you're in a situation where you've got, say, a robot who's uh, exploring caves in Afghanistan or a satellite that has to make decisions in less than a quarter of a second before it gets damaged by a solar flare. These are the things where it just isn't possible for a human expert to be involved. Then, the other form of uh, these applications are what we call cognitive assistance uh, AI applications. And there, all the work that's going on in the AI is to come up with advice for the user. And this is actually the area which you're going to see is uh, uh, much closer to the consumer products end of all of this. It is your company, your organization is adding value if it's able to give better advice and if it's able to give it in a way that the people getting the advice feel very comfortable with it. They can see justifications for it and it's not alienating to them. These applications essentially consume all of the stuff below them in the rest of the stack. Okay, so the next layers down are 
decision-making systems, you know, usually called the optimizer or planner or ERP system. These are the places where, based on stuff coming from lower, the system is actually making that decision. Where should I be sending my 5,000 Uber drivers in the city based on what I'm currently understanding about where they're likely to be needing pickups? Where should I be deploying my emergency workers based on what I understand of who's trapped in what building? Next is a layer of technology more called big linear programs, big dynamic programs, or even reinforcement learning. These are names for systems that enable bots to autonomously decide on the best outcome. Then we work our way further down the stack to the big machine learning systems, which help uh, understand based on the raw things that I'm sensing, sensing, based on the raw pixels from the camera, or based on the uh, raw spectral audio information that's coming in, uh, what is the meaning of those sensors? Under that are the data support systems. So these systems manage data, and they make data accessible for use with the lowest latency possible. Moore pointed to this layer and said that some of the most important research in artificial intelligence today is happening in this space. Here he is. One of the most important bits of AI research practical use in my mind at the moment is work by one of our Carnegie Mellon faculty. Uh, he, he goes by the name Thatcher, and his entire work is on making it so that these huge, powerful optimizations that you have to do in real time, you're doing on devices which are within 100 feet of your uh, user. In other words, he's trying to bring cloud computing close to the users because for many use cases, uh, that half-second latency of going back to a real cloud provider is just too slow to be safe. At the very bottom of the stack, where a lot of advances in AI are taking place, is the layer of technology that underpins artificial intelligence. It includes things like GPUs and advances to flash memory. In the next few years, Moore said new technologies like 3D spec RAM and quantum computing, they'll likely be added to this layer. Beyond the basics, beyond definitions and AI stacks, Moore had some advice on where CIOs should start with AI technology. He said to think AI dialogue systems, so things like Apple's Siri, Google Home, or Amazon Alexa. Now, the reason I suggest this is if you manage to in-house have some of your folks working on integrating with these sorts of AI dialogue systems, which the rest of the world is working so hard on, you'll be ready uh, as over the next half decade or so, you see much more integration of AI systems which can do this understanding the world and then acting on them. And by playing now and making sure that you've got team members who are very comfortable developing and giving new skills to something like Alexa, you're, you're ready for what happens next. Moore also talked about a couple of AI technologies that he thinks CIOs should be keeping an eye on. He pointed to human activity detection and human emotional state monitoring. And he said use cases around these technologies have had a significant impact on AI research at CMU in the last two years. There are a number of very nice open source stacks as well as a bunch of proprietary companies offering services for using computer vision to watch all the people walking around a public area. Or in the case of if you have a user who's interacting with 
your system, perhaps over video conference chat or in a medical application, there's now much more power for tracking the movements of all their facial muscles and noticing and understanding common tells for emotional state issues. He gave a couple of use case examples. One is an airport concourse. Let's say it's it's made some changes to foot traffic flow, and it wants to understand how those changes are affecting the general mood of customers. In the past, the concourse might have relied on something like a survey to gather that kind of data. But Morse said these AI systems are starting to provide real metrics. Another example is in the medical field, where AI systems can gauge the psychological state changes in patients based just on monitoring their conversational responses. Again, here's more. These are turning out to be so sensitive that in some cases for detecting whether a treatment for depression is working or not, the faculty at the University of Pittsburgh, working with the CMU faculty, have been their algorithms have been able to detect whether a treatment for depression is working before the patients themselves or their physicians are aware. It's all very exciting, Moore said. But it's also a little terrifying. On his website, Moore said his number one ambition in life is to be able to say, and he would of course deliver this much more eloquently than I'm about to, let me through, I'm a computer scientist. The time for such phrases may be fast approaching. On the next episode of Schooled in AI. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, it's just sort of a question of when it's going to happen. I'll be talking to CMU's Jason Hong about artificial intelligence and cyber attacks.